This is Client Side from Fox Agency. Hit it! That's what I'm talking about! Wait! Okay now, from the beginning. Adrian Lambert is the marketing director at Blackbird PLC. He has a deep experience of successfully running the marketing operations for public companies, PE-backed businesses, and B2B SMEs. He is a fellow of the Chartered Institute of Marketing and implements highly effective, no-nonsense marketing plans to deliver to the bottom line. He has grown multiple companies in the UK, international markets operating in technology, software manufacturing, entertainment, and aerospace. Adrian Lambert, welcome to ClientSide. Nathan, thank you very much for having me. Absolute pleasure having you on the show. You, you graduated in 1994 with a degree in geography from Newcastle University. Did you ever think your career would turn out in the way that it has? Nathan, I didn't, and it's a long time ago now. But no, it was quite an interesting journey I took, to be honest. I, um, I actually took A-levels in maths, physics, and geography, and my strongest subject was maths. Mm-hmm. I was going to do a maths degree for a long time. That was my intention. At the last minute, I had a kind of epiphany and decided that I wanted to do a more holistic degree. So mm-hmm. I chose geography. Um, it wasn't actually my strongest subject, but I like the idea of it's a very broad, broad-based degree. It covers history and politics and lots of different things. And I found it interesting. So yeah, I chose geography and went to Newcastle. Had a very good three years there. Probably a little bit too good. Um, <laughs> it's a phenomenal city. It really is a lot of right. a lot of lot of warm more memories of, of of Newcastle. Yeah, but I I came out and um, yeah, I remember I, I couldn't get a job. Actually, the early nineties mid nineties were quite a tough time economically. Mm. The recession on, and I didn't realize any of this at the time. Really, I was a bit uh, a bit blind to it, but. Um, I struggled to get a job for a while and I had about three or four months when it when it was difficult and um, I was very lucky that um, I spotted an advert um, in the local newspaper this was pre-internet I mean people won't believe that wow. this is pre this is <laughs> okay. yeah trying to find you your age now oh absolutely but you know my, my kids won't believe it when they're older but I <laughs> pre-internet and uh, Yes, you know, you look, you'd find jobs in the local newspaper, or basically, or national national mm. press. And there was an advert for um, a local. It was a Liverpool University scheme for graduates. It was a graduate placement program, six week course. Nathan, it was the best thing I ever did. I went there with lots of other graduates feeling sorry for themselves. <laughs> and I I got um I got a position as a marketing assistant with a very small software company in Birkenhead. I'm from the Wirral originally, but the Merseyside. Right. Yeah. And it, I tell you what, it was fantastic. I, um, I had no idea what I was doing. I had learned on the job, um, but I had a very supportive MD who was also a GP. Um, and he built this business up around medical software. And um, I read a couple of simple books on marketing. And it was like, mm. a, it was like an apprenticeship almost. And that's how I started. And it was a phenomenal two years, tiny company, but I learned so much. Absolutely, absolutely fascinating. Well, let's get into your career journey in a bit more detail because you've you've got an absolutely fascinating background in, in history, working with some of the largest technology companies uh, around, as well as some consumer brands as well. Tell us how you got your start in the marketing industry. So, you know, I started with Miriam Healthcare, this, this company in Birkenhead. So I was the marketing assistant and, uh, you know, literally learned on the job and just just really enjoyed it. I, I really fell on my feet and found marketing because it was, you know, it was creative. I, I liked writing. I'd use my writing skills. Um, I worked with a small agency nearby to create campaigns and, and what have you. And I just really enjoyed the whole discipline. I found it, I found it um, fascinating and, and enjoyable. 
So, you know, of all the disciplines I could have chosen, I fell into marketing and I'm still pleased this day. I, you know, I got into this um, particular sector. Um, yeah. I then moved on to Adidas. It was a big, big change culturally. Adidas is a is an enormous, you know, multinational corporate, as we know. And I was there only for a year or so. I didn't really enjoy it because I, I realized quite quickly I'd gone from a company where I ran the marketing, even though I was in quite a lowly position in the business. I was now part of an international company where I had no autonomy. Sure. I couldn't do much. I had a nice, you know, nice company car, nice fancy job mm. title, salary, mm-hmm. done, all that good stuff. But I had nothing. I didn't have anything to do. I wasn't. I wasn't. Mm. It's a German company, and all the, mm. the clever stuff really is done by the German head office. So I, I moved on. And I joined a company called 4D, a French company. They were looking for a marketing manager and uh, another technology company. Um, we were a challenger brand um, to some bigger um, uh, companies in the same field. And I was there for um, six or seven years. Loved, loved that job. It was, it was fantastic. Um, and yeah, to run the operation, had a good, good marketing budget. We you know, doubled our client base, uh, for more quite tripled, I think, by the, by the end of the time I was there. Um, tripled revenues um, and it was that time as well I also decided to really importantly to become qualified I realized that I, I hadn't really you know I was I, I'd learned on the job um, but really I, I needed to, to learn the craft of marketing properly and and, right. and, and do it the right way so I, I did the CIM exams the Charles Institute of Marketing yeah in my late 20s when I had more time on my hands and I could go to to night school Nathan and um and, and really apply myself, and it was that was one of the best things I ever did. Really, really interesting. You've you've generally stayed with a company for roughly about sort of three to four years before moving on. Was that an intentional decision? No, not at all. It's it's funny the way it's worked out. I think I've worked at eight companies in in twenty five years, so it's worked out about three three each. But actually, you know, as a marketer, you join the company. And you go in all guns blazing, you know, you do your research, you you write your marketing plan, you execute it. And some companies, you just find that you've delivered value after a certain number of years and you feel that really you, you can't do much more. You feel it's sure. really the time to hand over to somebody else. So it's never been, I've never thought to myself, I must move on every three or four years. It's purely been a case by case basis. Right. Um, so I've been at six, seven years at one company and I've been a year at others, but I've always moved right. and I felt it's not right for me or I've done all I can and I want a new fresh challenge. Mm, really interesting. You you became the marketing director for IFE Infly Entertainment Services in 2010 and you say that was one of the best jobs you ever had. Yeah. Why? Oh, loved it. Loved it. It was um <laughs> one what an interesting company Nathan that was. It was, right. it was based in in Nutsford, um in Cheshire, a lovely part of the world. Um and as you said, IFP stands for in-flight entertainment. So believe it or not, when you travel on a, on a plane, if you go on a medium or long-haul flight and you have that screen in front of you and you've got those movies and games and TV shows, right? seven or eight companies in the world that specialize in delivering that. It's actually a really big sector. It's a complex thing to hmm. deliver that content on a, on a cyclical basis to airlines. So IFP was one of those seven or eight companies. Hmm. And to be really frank, the reason I joined, and I think I mentioned it when we had a chat previously, is that I... I like to join companies where I feel I can add value, where there's a good company, the bones of a good company is a good product, a good service, and the financials are okay, um, but where the marketing is suboptimal. And I really felt with this company, the marketing was, well, I felt it was poor. Mm. And um, so I joined, I was very lucky that about a month after I joined, the new CEO joined, who still to this day is probably the best business leader I've ever worked with. Um, Mm. Very inspirational guy. 
And he basically said, listen, let's go on a journey here. We've got this, this the bones of a good company. Let's build it up. Let's really be disruptive. Um, and let's challenge for, you know, for number one spot. And we went on this, this, this journey of, you know, play hard, work hard for three and a half years. Mm. And it was, it was, I learned an awful lot with this guy and with the team. We had a really good CFO, great customer service people. And just to put some numbers on that, uh, Nathan, when I joined, sure. we, we had about 20 airlines um, as customers around the, dotted around the world. Um, three and a half years later, we had over 50. Um, mm-hmm. And we strategically, what we realized was is that a lot of our competitors weren't focused on smaller and medium-sized airlines. And they, and, you know, we just saw a really, you know, rich seam here of business. So we strategized and focused on those mid-tier airlines. And we just, sure. we just hoovered them up over a period of time. We, you know, we built our marketing up, you know, all the usual stuff. Um, you know, I got an agency on board. We did all the research piece. We found out what was special about our business. Um, we, we rolled out a beautiful brand, you know, nice website. We did a lot of things that hadn't been done before, like, you know, content marketing, remarketing, um, pay-per-click. We threw everything we could at it. Mm. And um, we went from a, yeah, we've got, my God, we were a break-even company in 2010. Three and a half years later, we, our EBITDA was 6 million. And um, we got acquired for about 24 million pounds wow. um, in 2014 by a bigger company um, called Global Eagle Entertainment. And yeah, I mean, I've got, I look back in my career and, you know, I've always enjoyed where I've worked, but that was a, that was a special one. Sure. A really special Phenomenal. One. Yeah. You, you said that the CEO was, was uh, really inspirational and you, you learn a lot from him. What sticks out in your mind as something that you took away from? Yeah, so Andy was a great, a great leader. He really was. He inspired the team. And, and what he did, he created a sense of, of real spirit in the team. So, you know, we went out for, you know, we had kind of very much a, a work hard, play hard um, kind of atmosphere. He had a high standard. Sure. At the same time, he made it a fun place to work. So we'd go out to Chester races. We went go-karting and did all sorts of fun things. But again, we were expected to put the hours in. Um, sure. But also, he was a great communicator. So I think this, the team hadn't been spoken to before, really, and communicated to optimally, I think. Um, so we had regular you know, monthly meetings for the whole team, all 60, 70 staff. We'd gather in, a, in, our, in our biggest meeting room, and Andy would tell it how it was, warts and all. Um, and I think this, the team really appreciated that. Mm. A couple of mantras, Nathan, I've never really forgotten. Mm-hmm. Um, attention to detail and a sense of urgency and he drilled that into the team and I've, I've kept that you know myself all through my career since then any teams I've had underneath me over the years I've really drilled that into people you know attention to detail sense of urgency and if you stick by those two things in business you don't go far you know far wrong mm, really really interesting absolutely love it L- let's talk a little bit about your time with IFE in a bit more detail um you've got a really interesting approach to getting quick wins for any business that you work with um and you say that it involves both internal and external research can you explain a little bit about what that involves yeah Nick, that's a great question I, I appreciate that because i think having been in marketing a long time you know i've kind of i've worked on a certain sort of mo over the years of of what works for me and i think if if somebody's listening to this podcast and they can you know, benefit from this, then I'd be really, really pleased with it. But what works for me is a, a couple of things. One is quick wins. So I think when you join a company, if you're a reasonably experienced marketer, you can you can analyze quite quickly what needs to be done better. So, um, you know, as a, especially, I'll go back a step, actually. As a marketer, especially in B2B marketing, working for technical companies, sometimes it can be a little bit of... Um, you know, some doubt by some of your colleagues regarding the the you know the value of marketing. So it's very sure. it's very important to be to build alliances quickly with people to explain why you're there, 
in a you know in a soft way to explain that if we get the marketing right it benefits everybody that all the best companies in the world are successful because their marketing is strong you know you've heard of those companies because the marketing is good Sure. high standard so there's there's all that alliance building in a business then there's the quick wins so i think you know a competent market can, mark, marketer can see quite quickly what needs to be improved and that could be digital marketing it could be the you know the press releases aren't frequent enough you know they're not pr in the right kind of stories that the list of journalists that we're sending press releases to isn't strong enough so let's find mm-hmm. more maybe there's no digital marketing really working maybe the social media is not not frequent enough or the tone of voice isn't quite correct sure. um you know there's a load of things where the current website is okay but can be improved or you know really needs an overhaul so often there's, there's, there's those quick wins but at the same time I'm, I'm always working on a on a on a parallel path that is working towards a marketing plan mm-hmm. and you know the one thing that cim taught me was how to write a strategic efficient marketing plan that delivers to the bottom line and, you know, boards like this, boards want a marketing plan from their marketing manager, or marketing director that's going to deliver value and revenue and, and improve profitability, essentially. So what I do, Nathan, is I, I do a lot of research and, you know, never dive into a marketing plan until you've done the research. So mm. I've done it. I do a couple of simple things. One is I research amongst my colleagues. So I write a questionnaire out. I might go and see my colleagues on a one to one and make, take some notes or I might put the survey on SurveyMonkey or something similar. And the questions can be, you know, your, your colleagues when you join a company will have so much information to impart to you. They've been there for years in some cases and I have a lot sure. of ideas and people love to speak about, you know, love to have their views heard and speak about, you know, what they think is important in a business. So, you know, mm. a series of questions, you know, what do you think the company does well? What do you think the weaknesses of the company are? What are the opportunities for growth? What regions should we be tackling? Are there new products we should be developing? Mm. What do you think of our mm. competition? So that's... Mm. That research amongst colleagues is very important. At the same time, um, you know, then I'm working towards research amongst uh, customers. Again, sure. an absolute goldmine of information amongst mm-hmm. customers. These are people who are spending money with you, you know, and they're doing that for a reason. And they may be happy, they may not be so happy, but find out what they think. So again, you know, you'd have to speak to 50 of them. It could be 10, it could be 20. Mm-hmm. Put the time in to speak to those customers and they will love telling you what they think of your company, especially if the company is particularly important to them as a supplier. So again, mm. you know, it doesn't have to be hundred questions. It'd be 15 questions. What do you think we do? Well, what do you think we're poor at? What do you think about customer service? Describe our company in, in, in five words that can help you figure out a strap line for the business. You know, what do you think of our competitors? You know, it, so. And mm, when, really when, fascinating. When, yeah. So when you've got that research done, Mm-hmm. create a situation analysis or a current you know situation analysis SWOT analysis and from that starting point you can write out you build out your marketing plan which is the classic marketing plan you know where do you want to get to and how are you going to get there strategically and tactically and um i've been doing that for you know in every job i've been at for you know since the year dot and it's really held me in good stead Really fascinating. And I guess for those organizations or those leaders that maybe don't get marketing or don't understand brand or don't understand various parts of of the marketing process, having that empirical data from their employees and their customers, I guess that just makes your job so much easier with regard to building the business case. 100%, Nathan. And, and you know, it's great. It's a real shot in the arm when you've got customers saying lovely things about you, but also yeah. saying things that aren't so positive. Sure. Take it on the chin. And when I present marketing plan to the board, 
which is my one of my responsibilities as a leader of marketing in 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 you know company I've worked at you've got to give it you know you've got to take stuff on the chin and be really transparent and you know take the the good and the bad as they say so I think that's very important um another thing you touched on there is about you know the, the value side of marketing you know if people don't get marketing and if they really are a bit sniffy about it or they see it as a, a little bit you know fluffy um all they need to know is, is if, if the marketing is done correctly, the business is going to grow. And it's the simplest metric on, on success in marketing is lead generation. It really comes down to that. My job as a marketer is to support the sales team, give them the tools they need, give them materials they need to go and sell, and give them a steady stream of high-quality sales leads on a regular basis. Mm. Um, you know, I had another podcaster, I think, I forget which one it was now, but he was talking on... on um, when you interviewed him about how he'd taken up the leads from two a month to 20 and that's great sure. and that's how i you know that's how i measured as well on a, on a you know in business you know so um where i'm at at the moment we'll come on to blackbird later i think nathan obviously it's your your podcast <laughs> me to decide it's coming but when i joined you know uh blackbird we were getting i think a one lead a month we're now getting in the region of 40 50 um, after 18 months because we've got the marketing right and we've got the brand awareness right and our digital marketing mm. is firing on all cylinders so mm. um yeah lead gen is the number one metric for marketing success in my opinion really fascinating well that brings us nicely on to blackbird let's talk a little bit about the the company you joined uh, blackbird plc in 2018 you are the f- world's fastest most powerful cloud video editing platform uh in the world yeah Talk talk about what some of the problems are that you solve for your clients. Well, we you're absolutely right. You've nailed it. We're a cloud video editing platform. It's very very interesting history. Just briefly, I mean, it was developed by a a mass prodigy genius guy called Stephen Streeter, still with the business, the founder of the company, and he foresaw that video would be edited and published in the cloud. He foresaw that twenty years ago. And he's an Oxbridge graduate, um, sorry, Oxford graduate, I should say. Um, and video for years have been edited on premise by big heavy editing suites. They're expensive, they need a lot of bandwidth or and, and infrastructure. And Steve and his team of very talented developers built this cloud native video editing solution. So um it's very efficient. So it's cloud native, it's um it's very quick, and we're getting a lot of success now. So traditionally the business has been around for some years. We're actually also a PLC, we're on the AIM stock market, so there's a mm-hmm. Out there, which is interesting, um, always a kind of you know the kind of litmus test of, of how we're performing. Sure. Um, but um, for many years, the company was selling Blackbird into the Soho, London TV production world. So Blackbird was used on all sorts of TV shows you've probably heard of, like Come Dine with Me and Gogglebox, and uh, oh. yeah, oh, yeah, right. yeah lo- loads of TV shows. But to be really frank, um, you know that market is not the most lucrative, and mm. we re-strategized so now we're very much focused on four core markets with uh, markets which are sports esports and news and entertainment mm. um, and we're getting we're getting traction because we're getting noticed now um so clients of ours including sports liverpool football club arsenal football club uh, the buffalo bills which a big nfl team in the states yeah. big sabers uh, a lot of sports rights um uh, holders and uh, management companies like img users delta tray 11 sports we use mm all sorts of sports um, in all different regions. And it's a very similar workflow. It's live ingested video. It could be a football game. It could be basketball. It could be behind the scenes content. And editors can go into their browser on a laptop at home or anywhere. They can work remotely and they can edit the content, enrich it and publish it very, very fast to social media 
or to OTT platforms or sure. or VOD, which is you know, video on demand platforms. So, um, you know, Blabber's finally getting the attention and the recognition it deserves because it's a phenomenal British tech, and I'm extremely mm. proud. So as I understand, the company has been around for 20 years or so, um, but especially you've grown quite quickly in the last year or last last few years, especially. Talk a little bit about how COVID has factored into uh, how COVID has affected you as an organization, um, both positively and, and negatively. Oh, it's a great, great question, uh, Nathan. And yeah, I mean, look, it's a terrible situation, and none of us, which you know, wish we were in this uh, predicament. And I think it's, um, you know, really taken the world by by storm, really. And um, you know, and it, and it is what it is. We're just going to get through this as best we can. Sure. From a business point of view, I've got to say, Blackbird dealt with it extremely well. We we actually started working remotely in the middle of March, a few weeks before the actual UK lockdown. Um, so fortunately, because we're a cloud native business, not just the technology, but also our systems, we just basically one day the CEO wasn't a sudden decision, but the CEO and the CFO said, we need to go home guys, you know, let's just start from tomorrow when we just started working from home, took our laptops back and, you know, email, you know, work seamlessly, you know, we use Slack, Zoom, everything's working well. Sure. I honestly think we're more productive than ever because, we're a London-based company. Um, you know, I, I'm living in London with my family right now. And, you know, I used to get a, a bus to work for an hour. You know, couldn't work on that bus for an hour. It's impossible, you know. So, you know, that's gone now. I can be at my desk at any time. Um, so we're actually working very efficiently. The other interesting factor with COVID is that our software, Blackbird, work is is, a, is the perfect video editing solution for remote working. So um, we're actually busier than ever. We've had an absolute acceleration of interest in our in our platform um we literally think we've won five major contracts in the last you know in the last three months um, not just look not just because of the covid situation at all but it's you know it's but it's a phenomenal product and i think we would have won those contracts anyway but it just it just moved the conversation sure. forward because if you video you know if you're editing video from home um using traditional editing system you need a lot of bandwidth a lot of infrastructure with blackbird you don't it's a very light touch product, very powerful, but light touch needs two mm. megabytes bandwidth. Um, it's easy to learn, easy to use. It's very efficient. So, it's like I say, Liverpool, Arsenal, um, a big client of ours in New York called Any Networks, have doubled their capacity. Um, Any Networks run the History Channel and six other major entertainment channels. So that was a another big, you know, uh, big success for us. Um, we just signed up Riot Games um last week which we're absolutely delighted about right game yeah developers of leagues league of legends and me you know it's the, it's the most popular uh, played game in the world 80 million huge yeah yeah i'm not a gamer personally but it's um but you've know, read a lot about it obviously having prepared the press release and work with their commercial team on the on the pr so you know i've got to say you know i hope it comes across but we you know this is a british tech company with we're, we're 30 people strong with small outfit and right games have chosen blackbird you know, they could have chosen five or six other products. They chose us. Best. And, the, and the CTO said uh, Blackbird's best in class. So it's a real, it's a really great, you know, British tech success story. And we just got to keep going forward, really. We've got a lot of exciting stuff happening. And we just got to keep going, really. Really fascinating. So so what are the major strategic uh, objectives that you're working on now? And, and what are the main challenges the company is struggling with? And, and how are you helping overcome them? So the first thing is, and I firm believe you can't do anything without good people. So um, the CEO Ian is extremely good and uh, has completely changed. Well, 
how can I put it? He's he's enhanced, you know, a good company and made it even better. He's yeah. built a new commercial team. Um, one of the challenges is getting good people. So we've got a really good team now, and you know, we're always looking for more. I think you know, recruitment's a never-ending process. So we're always on the lookout for good salespeople, you know, good developers, um, you know, good commercial people. That's one thing. Um, strategically, we've got it. We keep it really simple. Uh, Excuse me. So we're focused on, I said, the four big sectors, news, sports, esports, and entertainment. Um, Territorially, really, the US and Europe um, and Asia when we can. Obviously, we can't be everywhere, but Asia is another important market for us. But what we're doing is we're winning direct deals when we can, but we're working on on what's called an OEM strategy. Mm -hmm. So this basically means that we are signing up major, we call them OEMs, but they're major telcos. And these are companies who have big sales teams. They have big tech stacks. They're always looking for best-in-class solutions, and in simple terms, they can be you know they can sell further and faster than we can because we were a small company at the end of the day still, um, you know, punching above its weight. But there's only so much we can do with with our team size. So that's our big focus, and we're having some very very interesting conversations with multiple, you know, household name uh, telcos who love the mm-hmm. product. And um, I don't want to jinx it, so I'm touching wood here. <laughs> um, Surround yourself by wood. <laughs> right. Yeah, fortunately, the desk is wood, so I can do that. I'm not in my head as well. Um, but, you know, so that's that's the focus. And, you know, we think well, it is the right strategy, and we think that's going to pay huge dividends for us, Nathan, in, you know, in the near future. Really fascinating. So, so talk a little bit about the agency support that you have to help execute on your strategic goals. What, what does the... How do agencies or freelancers help you uh, execute strategically into the market? So it's interesting. I and I realise this is a Fox agency um, podcast, and I've got to know the Fox guys very well. I'm very impressed with with what they can do. I should I should say that because uh, I generally mean it. Um, but I I I haven't used agencies for a couple of years. I did early in my career. I used to go on the full service agency route. So I've worked with all sorts of agencies in Manchester. I think I'll name check a couple of the better ones. I think uh, Lineo. A great mm-hmm. agency I used in Manchester run by a guy called Nick. I think it was Nick Melvin. I think he, I think he moved on, but Nick was great. I tell you just a little on the side on Nick. I remember I was looking. This when I, I was an IFE services, and I was looking for an agency. Mm-hmm. Uh, about four came in to see me, and Nick from Delineo was the only guy who didn't give me a big deck and tell me how great they were. He asked me a load of questions, and he'd done his research. Yeah, and I, he actually done a lot of research on me and the company, and he came. He came in with kind of solutions from from the first meeting. And I was really impressed, and I chose those guys, and they and we were on a bit of a journey together. Mm. And there's some great account managers, and I was, you know, very impressive agency, Delineo, and I wish them, still wish them well. I may work again with them in the future, you know, at some point. Um, but yes, yeah, so really you Ripple Effect, another good one. When I was at, um, you know, that, that's um, uh, in the past, and um, Cicero, good agency who got bought out actually years ago. They're a great agency as well. So there's a lot of them, you know, lots of them about very talented. Agencies, but to be honest, right now, Nathan, what I'm doing is I'm working with expert freelancers, is like what I kind of refer to them as. Um, I like the model, so I've got a coterie of these guys who I've either been recommended to or I found myself. So I have a guy who does pay per click advertising for us. You know, I really believe in using experts for things, I can cobble together pay per click advertising, but it is a big, you know, it's a complex thing. I'd rather pay a guy a monthly retainer to do it properly and save a lot of money because I think it's about ROI. Um, so I've got a good guy in paper. He's also a good SEO guy that I, I defer to for his knowledge and expertise. 
I've got a guy who writes our content. He's a journalist in the industry who, who had written reviews about Blackbird before. I liked his style. And I use him as our as our writer of, of, um, of, 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 I hate the word blog, but basically thought leadership content. Sure. Um, I use a guy, we do a lot of LinkedIn work. We have a guy for LinkedIn advertising and other, other work on LinkedIn. I think LinkedIn is an enormously important platform for B2B. I think it's the, for us, it's the number one. Everybody we're trying to get to is on that platform. So we mm-hmm. need expertise. The guys who built our website, which launched about three months ago, I was recommended to. Um, and they did a phenomenal job in about eight weeks. And see, what I like about that model is that I'm dealing with guys who are seasoned professionals. Right. We've been at agencies and gone alone. And I think I've got, you know, I've got a straight dialogue into these guys. So the guy who built the website, uh, John, was an ex-creative director of an agency. He'd been around for years. He went, he's, you know, he's gone solo. And rather than working through an account manager who, you know, which have had a mess diluted or. Yeah. And, you know, it's, and it's nobody's fault, but often they get full service agencies. That one, of, one of the issues I've had in the past is, is that, and this is a very common comment, but I'm going to say it again. Is when, you, when you put a brief out and the agency comes in, you get the MD and the creative director and you get a very polished pitch. And you, think, <laughs> you, stole, you stole the dream and you're like, oh, this is incredible. <laughs> You know, I've got to have something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. They're going to change my life. I'm going to look at mm-hmm. They're going to make me look good. The company exactly. Good. Right. Going, you know, and then what happens is you sign off on the dotted line, and then suddenly those those individuals disappear because they're mm-hmm. big and they've got other stuff. They've got other pictures to worry about, and they're trying to keep mm-hmm. feed the machine. And then you end up with an account manager, and it's you know, and that kind of manager can be very bright, and very dedicated, but they often don't have. Yeah, I, I'm not, I can't be talking about. You might have like, the gravitas, sure, experience to help me as a marketing director. I need I need a peer who I can mm. have ideas for and about with. So then, what can what can happen? Not always. As the camera gets frustrated, um, they're working behind the scenes trying to make things happen for you as the client. But they, you know, they're trying to pull sorts of levers to make it happen. But frustration can set in. The quality of work can diminish sometimes and and delays happen with requests so mm. been a little bit bruised with some agencies in the past and i'm, and I'm, mm. I'm liking the, the the freelancer ex expert model at the moment that really yeah. that really makes sense it, it's a well-trodden path and strategy for agencies especially the larger ones they deliver with the a team well they pitch with the a team and then deliver with the b c or sometimes even even d team uh which is a common thing that we hear that we hear in the industry um, so, so talk a little bit about how you like to select agencies because you, 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 you talked a moment ago about a, a pitch scenario where there were four agencies that came in. The one that didn't have a large pitch deck was the one that had actually won your business because he asked uh, consultative questions and were more did a lot of research on you. But in order for him to actually, or an agency to actually get on your radar in the first place, let's say that you have no idea that an agency exists, but they know that they can add some value to you in some way. What's the best way of them getting on your radar and demonstrating some value to you and potentially starting a a business relationship? Yeah, I mean, again, so really, while I, again, I've been in situations where I've I've needed an agency, so I to tend to typically do is i'll write a brief like any any marketer would do i've done a couple of pages explain what you're looking for and then approach some agencies and you know i might look i might literally search online and i might approach a few that worked for in the past and maybe i'll contact five and then 
you know, I, I want to hear who's keen. You know, who's got the bit between us? Who's, sure. who's going to help me? Who's got the passion? You know, who's going to really be my my you know right hand man to get me through the next two or three four years to build this business up and get where we need to go? So then I'll invite three in, and like I say, you'll get the A team in, and you'll get a very polished presentation. But what I'm interested in is people who've done the research. You know, it's great that the agency has got this many logos on that deck. You know, they've got, they've got this, you know, they've worked all these A-list blue chip brands and they've done X, Y, and Z campaigns. Fantastic. But what are they going to do for me? How are they going to help my business grow in the next three to five years? So I always ask very searching questions from the first, even on the phone call. What do you know about the business? If somebody's not bothered to do, even find out what we do at a basic yeah. level, the conversation is not going to go any further. Yeah. It won't go any further because I think you know I can't rely on you to be to be passionate and do do the legwork on you know on my on the business. Sure. So there's all that. So really, I think it comes down to two things. I think it's talent is one thing, and attitude is equally important. You know, you know, I want to see the whites of the eyes. I want to see yeah. you know who's really. I say I'm going to repeat myself, but which agency really wants the work. Is going to put the extra mile and put the extra leg, you know, leg work in to, to get the company I work for where it needs to be. Mm. You spoke about briefs earlier. Um, a good brief, as we all know, exponentially increases the agency's ability to do fantastic work. Uh, the client sets the start and end points of a project, giving the agency a, a very clear foundation for the strategy and the creative development. Some have likened the briefing process to briefing a surgeon. Um, you want to make sure that it's very clear, it's very focused. Uh, with that being the case, what's the best way of creating a fantastic brief that an agency can take and execute on? I think you really keep it simple. You know, you know, explain. It's almost a mini marketing plan. It's saying this is where we are now. You know, this is where we want to get to. You know, we need. You know, we're looking for an agency to help us get from A to B in the shortest amount of time. Um, and I think it's on the client as well to be very clear. You know, it's not all down to the agency. If, if things get off to a bad start through a lack of clarity and expectations being set properly, you know, that can be down on the client as well. So, you know, like I said at the start, this part of the, the podcast, it doesn't need to be 20 pages. It can be a two-page brief, but really mm. clear what you're looking for. Um, and, yeah, I just think it's very important to set, set the whole relationship off in the right tone right from the start. Mm. Um, and I, I like to keep things simple. I really do. <laughs> really, really interesting. Last, last couple of questions, and then we'll get into our speed round. Sure. Um, over the course of your, of your career, you've worked with many notable B2B technology names, and you must have seen evol the evolution of B2B marketing change quite significantly over the span of your career. How has it changed uh, more, most significantly in recent years, and and where do you think B two B marketing is heading? So when I started in B two B marketing, the average, the standard of it was pretty poor, and that's because a lot of B two B companies start up, um, you know, they're startups by technical people who are very talented. They might be engineers, um, scientists, and they've got a great idea and they start a company up with some water. Excuse me. Um, and the, the you know they may not understand the importance of marketing, understand the product and their discipline very very well, but they don't understand the the, the quality, you know they understand the, the importance of branding and awareness and differentiation and targeting and all the basic tenets of marketing. Mm -hmm. So you know back in the day when I started out, it was dreadful. I mean, and also this was you know the infancy of the of the internet, so a lot of websites were very poor. You know it. it 
you know, branding, you know, polished brands weren't common in B2B. What there's been, I think, in the last five or six years, maybe 10 years, has been a catching up between B2B and B2C. And it's long overdue. And thank heavens. And um, you now see a lot of very polished B2B brands that clearly the founders or the, or the owners or the MDs realize the importance of it. They've actually got marketing talent in the business. So the standard is much improved. You know, where I'm at at the moment, Blackbird, there's a, there's a show every year. In fact, there's two big shows. One's, one is called NAB and one's called IBC. Now, right now, they're not live because of the current COVID situation. But I've been mm. to a few of these. And you walk around the halls and the marketing's exceptional. The booths are good. You know, you're looking at the collateral. All the touch points are there. Not always, but a lot of these companies now are, on, are really on the ball. So, that, so they're catching up to B to B to C. I think the realization, Nathan, that actually we're marketing to people. You know, famously mm. B to C, you're marketing really to one individual normally, who makes the purchase decision. In B to B, as we all know, you, you, you're marketing to a decision making unit, the DMU, which often mm. have five, you know, could have anything from two to ten people, and you've got to try and you know satiate all those different needs and finance and. And, and operations and what have you but you're still marketing to people you know you mm. still you know, people still are influenced by words by by mm. shape, by form you mm. know creativity so so that's that's i think you know much more recognized now thank heavens in b2b so the standard mm. of creativity is much higher um i think the adoption of digital marketing is is very widespread now against and you know within enlightened b2b companies um, you know, you know, we're up against it. A blackbird now. We, we're doing a lot of the right things, but so have a lot of our competitors. They're very on the ball. You know, they're very switched mm-hmm. on with digital marketing. Um, so we need to be, you know, one step ahead all the time. Um, mm-hmm. So you know, I think I think they're the main takeouts. I'd say. Mm-hmm. Really interesting. Um, Adrian, final question, and then we'll get into our speed round. With the focus on COVID-19 recently and Black Lives Matter and a number of other social movements, leadership and the importance of leadership has come under the spotlight. Uh, You've been a very successful leader throughout your career and you've worked with other very successful leaders as well. What do you think of the qualities of a successful leader? Um. You know what? I think I think being a nice human being is very very important. Um, I really loathe bullies. I've seen a few in my 20, 25 years, um, and it's unusual, but I've seen it in practice, and it's really repugnant. Mm-hmm. Um, I think to get the best out of people, my style is an arm around the shoulder and being supportive, and um, being a mentor. You know, I have a team of one right now. Um, a great guy works for me. I've had teams of three or four in the past. Never a big mm-hmm. team, but I really believe you get the best out of people by being nice and supportive and you know listening and doing the best you can i've never had a situation fortunately where you know performance has been so bad that it's it's become sticky um i'm always careful with recruitment to make sure i bring the right people on board and i'm fussy you know uh, <laughs> i might be 10 people if the right person's not there I won't take them on but when i bring somebody on i'll do my i'll be doing my utmost to support that person and, and make them flourish and give them all the tools they need to be a great professional so um, I think all those things really, I think at the top end of the business, you know, CEOs have a different, you know, it's, they cut from a different cloth, you, you know, it's a lonely place running a company, you know, and they've got to make some tough decisions and, you know, it's still, you know, we can still be nice and still be mm. thoughtful and kind, but CEOs have to make some tough decisions sometimes sure. because it's, you know, businesses aren't charities, they're there to make a profit, they're, they're there to generate revenue and to, and to you know, and to, and to thrive. So um but, you know, I, I like to work in nice, you know, companies which are um, allow people to flourish and are supportive. And I'm, I'm going to repeat myself, but I think it's extremely important. 
Really, really well said. Uh, Adrian, let's get into our speed round now. This is the round where I'll fire some short, sharp questions at you. If you can fire some answers back to me, that would be fantastic. Um, so which CMO is doing the best job in marketing right now, in your opinion? Well, do you know what? I knew this question was coming and I gave it a bit of thought. And I go a phenomenal. So I had to Google it, but Julia Golden is the is a CMO. And my word, what a job she's doing. I mean, they make, they make bits, bits of plastic at the end of the day. Yeah. But um, the Lego movie, you know. Yeah, phenomenal. Yeah, great. I'm just, Everything around Lego. Long answer to a, to a simple question. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Most brilliant, yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Really expensive, but they've done a fantastic oh, job. That's part it cost of you an arm and a leg. That's the clever marketing of it. Yeah. <laughs> Way over the odds, you know. <laughs> What's the single thing that annoys you about working with agencies and what do you absolutely really like about working with agencies? Yeah, I'm going to repeat myself. It's I think it's being sold the dream at the pitch pitch day, yeah. and then the reality not being quite the same. It's, to be fair, it's not it's not the same with all agencies. But I've been bitten with that a few times. Um, the great thing is with the magic happens. I've worked with some very talented agencies who have delivered some phenomenal creative campaigns and you know stuff that I couldn't do in house. And that's when you think, great, these guys are worth the weight in gold. Mm -hmm. Really interesting. At times, we all hit low points, especially during COVID and, and lockdown. Uh, what do you do to motivate yourself? Well, I'm quite a self-motivated person, to be honest. Um, I don't get low for too long. But this is a bit of a, a twee answer. But my children really, you know, when I when I see them downstairs, because I work in the, the loft right now, lots of people, I mean, kind of it's kind of conversion and working at a small desk and a computer. And when I take a break and I see my daughter downstairs, who's eight months old, just, rack, you know, smiling and the happiest thing in the world, shaking a, you know, a little toy, I think, you know what, life's not too bad. This is what it's about. It's about family and everything else can wait. Really, really well said. Uh, last couple of questions. What excites you most about your current role and position? I... I'm loving this job at Blackbird. We've, I said, I'm enormously proud of this business. We're, we're a British tech company taking on the world. We're beating a lot of competitors um, to win business. Um, it's enormously exciting, extremely fast-paced. And um, yeah, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun. And I'm, I'm really thrilled to be here. And my final question, Adrian, what's the single biggest thing that you've yet to achieve that you would like to achieve in your career? Good question. I think it's success at Blackbird now. I've delivered, I hope to think I've delivered value at every company I've been at, but this is the big one. You know, Blackbird's got a world-class product, and if we get this right, it could be, you know, an absolute world leader in its sector, and that's what we're on mission to do. And um, if I can achieve that in the next two or three years, I'll be delighted. Really well said. Adrian Lambert, thank you for being on Client Side. Thank you, Nathan. Absolute pleasure. If you'd like to share any comments on this episode or any episode of Client Side, then find us online at fox.agency. If you'd like to appear on the show, please email millie at fox.agency. The people that make the show possible are Millie Bell and Natasha Rosich, our booker slash researcher. David Clare is our head of content. Ben Fox is our executive producer. I'm Nathan Annie Barber. You've been listening to Client Side from Fox Agency. And we're done. Join us next time on Client Side, brought to you by Fox Agency.